Welcome to the School Leaders Podcast. My name is Dr. Gastrit Harrigan, the podcast for current and emerging school leaders, those who support and supervise them. You will hear from passionate educational leaders who are transforming their schools, communities, and creating positive outcomes for students. I will also share my personal reflections and tips from over 15 years as a school leader. Together, we will talk about how to level up our schools and leadership practices. Today, I am honored to have uh, one of the best assistant principals in Broward County Public School, uh, Janet D. Jackson. Uh, she's one of the assist- assistant principals in the district. And uh, today, uh, I've invited her, and she comes to share her experience uh, for all of the assistant principals that are out there. If you're a new assistant principal or you're a veteran, I'm quite certain some of the um, techniques, strategies that Ms. Jackson will share you will be able to glean from them and be able to take a lot of those nuggets and put them into your own practice. So I'm just honored to have the Janet Jackson with us tonight. So welcome to the podcast, Ms. Jackson. Hello, and thank you, Dr. Harrigan, for inviting me to this podcast. I am the proud assistant principal of Cypress Run Education Center. I've been an assistant principal for seven and a half years. This is my 25th year in the education field. I started as a teacher fresh out of college. I was a classroom teacher for 10 years, and then I went into guidance and counseling. For me, it has been rewarding working as an AP at Cypress Run because I get to have an impact on a large population of at-risk students. It brings me joy every day to see our students meet their goals by achieving at or beyond their level. As an assistant principal, it's been a pleasure leading a school because I get to inspire young minds and by working with others to ensure that we are meeting the needs of our students. Also, Ms. Jackson, I, I love the work that you do and, and, and all the things in, uh, that you do with kids. But I, I picked up that you said you spend 10 or 15, 20 years and you were a teacher and then a guidance counselor. Talk to me about your experience as a teacher and then as a guidance counselor before moving into administration. Okay, so as a new teacher, fresh out of college, um, it was more of a shock when I was placed in a classroom by myself at the age of 22. Uh, with I started with fourth grade students, and I, at first I thought it was going to be challenging, but as I stuck to being genuine and caring and showing that the students that I care, things went really well those first few years as a teacher. So going from college student, fresh out of of college, and then becoming a teacher was a shock. And then moving on into guidance, I began to see more of the student, the child as a whole, as now at that time, I was now looking at the psychological aspect of a child versus just focusing on academics in the classroom as uh, being a teacher. So I went from teaching to guidance, which made me feel as if I had an even more larger impact on students academically and mentally. Wow. Uh, It's amazing you said, because I heard you said uh, things got better because you basically connected and built relationship with kids. So what I'm hearing from you is that relationship, regardless of what level you're at or what, what your role is, 
uh, connecting with kids and having relationship play, play a, a great role. So would you say your experience as a teacher, the relationship you built uh, helped prepare you or how did that help prepare you for guidance work? It definitely prepared me. Um, I guess being, being it, when I was in college, I thought, thought of teaching in a certain aspect of just being in front of the class, following lesson plans, teaching the curriculum, making sure that I cover the curriculum. And then from when I did become a teacher and learning more about the student in the classroom as it related to building bonds with the students and uh, not only just teaching, but getting to know the student, I began to, to feel a need to go a little deeper as into how the students themselves uh, think on a daily basis. Um, some of the, the struggles or challenges that students face as it relates to their, their mental well-being. So then that's what kind of guided me into wanting to do more as far as on the mental side of teaching, us, teaching the students. It's interesting you say on the mental side, because uh, as a guidance counselor coming out of the pandemic, a lot of our students, we know to all the principals, assistant principals and teachers even listening, a lot of kids are struggling in schools throughout the nation and throughout the state of Florida are trying to scale up their practices to meet students' mental, social, emotional need. So talk to me about some of your experience as a guidance and dealing, as you just indicated, with their mental health aspect and meeting the psychological uh, uh, needs, how did some of those experiences help prepare you for the assistant principal role? Okay. So in the classroom as a teacher, I, I did quickly learn that if the student, if the student is not healthy as it relates to their, their, their mental abilities, that no learning was going to take place. I could have the best lesson plans ready, the best activities ready, ready, put into place for the students. But if they're struggling with outside issues, whether it's uh, homelessness or just their, their family is not able to afford lights, electricity, then the students come to school not prepared to learn. So when I became a guidance counselor, I was able to now tap into outside resources to help those students, help meet the needs of the students that will satisfy what they need before they even enter the, the school building. And going now from guidance to assistant principal, I'm able to now look at, lead, provide resources around not just the mental aspect, pulling in resources, but now as well as uh, academics as well. So it's more of a, a well-rounded approach that I'm now leading the charge on as an assistant principal. And it, every day I meet, I, I met with a different challenge and every day I make sure that I'm prepared and up for the challenge. That's awesome. Uh, I'm sure Ms. Ms. Jackson, the, what you're saying is, is so invaluable. And I know there are listeners that are emerging leaders that are looking to move into administration or even look, looking to move into guidance. Talk to me about what you think uh, in, or speak to those emerging leaders who are looking or preparing to move from the classroom to assistant principal or from guidance or any support role into assistant principal. What do you think are some of the uh, tips, you, you know, some of the things they need to be aware of or be prepared for uh, before stepping into the assistant principal role? 
Okay, so tips that I would I would have for new assistant principals pretty much aligns with the holistic approach of the mind, body, and soul. And with these three aspects, it makes up a whole person. The three aspects are connected and they interact with each other. First, I would start with the mind. As a new assistant principal, before you start your day, you want to be sure that you practice some type of mindfulness activity. It could be an app that you may have on your phone that would guide you through breathing exercises. There are mindfulness videos on YouTube. There are tons of, of things on the internet where you can get some type of mindfulness activity in in the morning from one minute to 20 minutes, whatever uh, you choose to get your, your mind right. This, this will prepare you and get your creative juices flowing before you step into the building. And also as an AP, you're very busy and met with different challenges throughout the day. So you have to also remember to stop at some point throughout the day and get that little mindfulness activity in, whether it's breathing or listening to calming music, meditating, doing some form of mental, mental uh, mindfulness activities to get you through that today. It's, it's funny you said that because I'll be frank uh, to everyone listening, I'll be honest. I didn't use to value mindfulness activities and, and, and that aspect. And coming out of the pandemic, that, that is now one of my core morning routines. Uh, I drive about an hour, sometime an hour and a half to work. And one of my part of my routine and one of my daily routine is mindfulness on my way to work. Uh, for me, it's it's it varies from day to day. It's putting on a music sometimes. Sometimes uh, I'm a man of faith, so sometimes I listen to the word. Uh, but it's some type of mindfulness activity to set me for the day, to prepare me for the day. So I do you onto something right there because um, that has really helped me be more focused, helped me be more on point as it relates to things I got to get done during the day. When I start my morning uh, with mindfulness, with some type of activity, like you indicated, sometimes it could be a video, it could be uh, meditation, it could be definitely prayer, but mindfulness definitely will set up, um, set set your day in the right direction and even throughout the day. Um, so how do you, you, you were talking about mindfulness and, and that's very important. How do you create a culture of mindfulness in your school? Well, one of the things that we ensure that we do begins with just the staff and the teachers. Whenever we are um, about to go into a meeting, it doesn't matter which, what type of meeting, we always begin the meeting with some form of mindfulness activity. And we don't stop with the staff and the, and the teachers. At our school, at the beginning of every first period class, all of our students are participating in what we have is the morning meetings. And this particular activity uh, also incorporates mindfulness. So we're 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 making sure that we're we're not only practicing mindfulness individually, but we're also practicing it with our teachers and staff as well as our students. And that's important to make it a school-wide practice, a school-wide routine. Getting your teachers involved become very important. And you mentioned student. How, how does that look like for the kids? Okay. So like I stated, all of the first period classes 
the teachers lead what they call a morning meeting. This particular activity, which is the time for it, is actually built into the schedule. It's a 15 to 20 minute activity every single day. This is this particular activity is created, developed, structured to look different from the ordinary or the regular lessons that the teachers teach throughout the day. The students um, are, are in a circle so that they are more able, they're, they're better able to bond with one another as they deal with scenarios, questions that the teacher has planned for that particular morning meeting. And all of the students, they participate, they begin the morning meeting with the breathing exercise, they go into an activity that the teacher has planned for that particular day, which is aligned to our positive character traits throughout the school year. And it deals with the different um, sales standards that district have. And it also aligns to the, the best standards. And throughout that particular lesson, the, the, the morning meeting itself, the students are interacting, having dialogue, conversating, and it's it has proven to be very beneficial to our students. At the end of the morning meeting, the teacher ends the morning meeting with another breathing exercise to get them ready to transition to the lesson for the day. Wow. A whole setup. They start a breathing technique. They move into the cell activity. Then you said they end with a breathing technique. That is outstanding, helping students start their day. And you said it's morning meeting. So really every school, every principal could could really start their their school day with morning meeting school-wide. And I'm assuming this is school-wide throughout the entire school in your secondary school, correct? Yes. Wow. So morning meeting is definitely um, a great way, not only adults, but you mentioned, as you just uh, did a great job explaining, uh, helping students start their day with morning meetings and and really help process whatever issue, baggage they're bringing in that did help them get ready for uh, for the day. And you say it's about 10, 15 minutes. So it's not really a lot of loss of instructional time. So every leader can really incorporate that into their day. Earlier, you said you had uh, some tips for us around mind, body, and soul. W- what are some of the strategies for assistant principals around the body? Okay. Well, before I go into the body, I just wanted to um, go back to the mind to also state that now you prepare to become an AP by going to classes, reading books, doing trainings, doing interviews. And now that you're an AP, you also must continue your professional development journey by attending workshops, reading journals, reading articles to enhance your craft. Also, it's very important that you know your your school students and staff, know the data, align with the principal's vision and have the principal's back. So those are some things that fall under mind. And now as I move into body, I would like to, to point out that before you, before you moved on and, and mm-hmm. you, you, you brought up some good point. You said, no, know the data, uh, have your principles back, make sure that you, you, you are carrying out the vision of your school. And I think you, you, you said it well, but I want to make sure I emphasize on it for all of the emerging leaders or new assistant principals, or, or you may be a veteran principal listening. It's very important. You build relationship with your staff, with your students, because uh, as an administrator, you are a relationship builder and, and relationship is the grease, 
right? That keeps the school moving forward. And 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 that's very important that, that you foster this relationship. And you talk about loyalty or having your principles back. I think that's critical to build and foster a positive relationship with your administrator. Doesn't mean uh, you agree with everything your boss does, right? But having and fostering that uh, relationship. And to all of you listening, you know, it, it's very important that you you build those relationships with your administrator because th- th- there's a lot of hard, especially if you're new to a school, it's very important you get to know if you're an assistant principal. I'm sure you would agree, Ms. Jackson, that they, taking the time to build, foster those relationships, getting to know your principal, uh, his or her style, his or her expectations, um, values. So that way, as you conduct business, as you lead, your vision is aligned and in alignment with his or her uh, her vision. Absolutely. So now I want to focus on the body. So a healthy body gives you strength and vitality and energy. It also influences your mood and mental fitness. So you need to have a daily routine that includes some form of exercise. Being an AP, you will be busy from the moment you walk into the building until the time you leave. You will need to have a schedule that you can stick to that includes times for you to take a break to eat. And when I say take a break to eat, it's it's very, very important that you're eating a balanced diet because what you in, what you eat influences your mental state. That's important. I'll be honest with you as an AP. I, 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 um, I, <laughs> I didn't I did not take make a lot of time to eat. And, and I recall I was working in one of the toughest schools in, in my county. And uh, I remember I had days where I was eating at three, four, five o'clock in the, in the, in the afternoon because the day was over just because it was a busy, tough title one school. But you are correct. If you're going to be, um, give your best, you have to take care of your body because at the end of the day, if you do not take care of your body, like a car, right? If you do not take care of that car, that car is going to break down. So if you don't take care of your body, you won't be able to produce, you won't be able to carry out and be your ultimate, your best self. So it's very important that you self-care uh, becomes very important because um, often I look at when I started off 15 or so years ago, I've gained a lot of weight. And part of it is you're eating late. Uh, you're not you're not really prioritizing health uh, running. So it's very important that you take care of your, yourself, take care of your, now you mentioned earlier, mental health now, taking care of your body, because if not, your body's going to break down. So you, you are spot on, Ms. Jackson, that physical health and in addition to mental health is vital. But let me ask you this, because you earlier you said, you know, you're leading one of the challenging, difficult schools or populations in your district. Talk to me about how do you prioritize that? I mean, it's, it's good to know that it's important, but how do you prioritize it on a daily basis? Okay, so the way that I prioritize is by making sure that no matter what, I mean, I have this 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 wonderful plan and it's it's in a nice binder that I take with me to and from school. And no matter what, I always look in the binder as soon as I step into the building and I'm I'm constantly looking at the, the, the clock and making sure that I am following the schedule. I also have on my phone a, a little alarm that reminds me to stop, take a, a break and to either eat like a little snack or piece of fruit as I'm walking the building. Uh, sometimes part of my exercise is the when I'm out and about walking the hallways, I kind of use sometimes that time to, to get in 
a, a quick stride for my for my body, <laughs> the exercise for my body. So we're out and about a lot as an AP. I try to incorporate the way that I go about my day. I incorporate the, the moments where I'm stopping and having a piece of food. Sometimes when I'm walking through the cafeteria, there may be a moment where I will sit to a table and I'm talking to a student with my apple in hand and eating, eating my apple, getting that, not only getting that break to eat, but also time to communicate with the students, conversate with the students. So just, just it's just a matter of you can do all of these plans, but you have to be disciplined and stick to the plan. Awesome. All right. What are some other tips you have for uh, emerging and assistant principals that are listening today? Okay. So now we're on to the soul. As an administrator, you are tasked with leading others, making decisions, and facing challenging situations. It is very important that you practice gratitude. This will release negativity and in the end, improve your mood. Get to know your staff and get to know what they like. Find ways on how you can help them, whether it's work-related or not. Be compassionate to yourself and the staff. Learn from your mistakes and failures. When you learn self-compassion, you will develop a greater compassion for others. Make sure you have a support system at home and in the district. Be sure that your loved ones know that sometimes you will be late or, or working after hours. Ms. Jackson, you talk about uh, gratitude. Uh, how do uh, gratitude is so important to to practice it and and really a lifestyle of gratitude? Uh, how can what are some of the ways on a day to day basis with the business of being an assistant principal to practice and model gratitude? Okay, so something as as, as simple as when you walk into the building, making sure that you're greeting everyone. Uh, take a moment to try and get around to speaking to everyone. And, and when you're saying hello, don't just stop at hello. Ask how, how, how the person is doing. A lot of times I, I try to start or I do start up a conversation by telling maybe the staff or the teacher uh, what it is that I have planned for the weekend and that's, that's, that I'm looking forward to. So just pretty much showing the staff the teachers, the students, everyone that you do care about them and are interested in, 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 in what they do on a daily basis. And it'll, it'll definitely get you a, a, a long ways when they see that you really care. It's important that to show staff that you value them, that you, like you just said, that you care, whether it is the custodian, whether it is the clerical team, teachers, it's very important that you treat people well, you show gratitude. Uh, as you just said, you say, thank you. You say, I appreciate the work you're doing because especially in governmental work, we, we, we can often give raises because th those are contracted union groups, but it's very important that uh, people go to work or work for bosses they like. People don't leave jobs in, in, in schools. They leave bosses, they leave principals and, and, and assistant principals. So it's important that you show gratitude, you value people, you you tell them thank you, you you make them feel appreciated. Also, you, you talked about, and I know when you said that, I'm like, wow, I was not a good example of that when I was an assistant principal. I got better as a principal, but you said, you know, sometimes you need to have a support system and you need to, sometimes you will work late. I know oftentimes, especially when I was at the Title I school, they would turn off the light 
Um, the conservatory would turn off the light at night and I would still have to run on my office and tell them I'm still in the building. That's how late I would be working. So obviously I struggle with the home and work life balance. How do an assistant principal balance, especially new assistant principal, how do they balance the home and work life balance? Okay. So you must know when to disconnect, which is, which is, which is easier said than done. Um, with all of the demands of being an assistant principal before even going into it, just make sure that you're open with your loved ones so that they're not depending on you to do something when it, it, when you will probably or possibly be still at the school building. But although you're meeting the demands and, and staying late, you must plan ahead so that you are spending spending time with your family, whether it's maybe setting aside 15, 15 minutes before you leave in the morning, whether it's at the end of, of the night, assuring that you are with your family to, to eat dinner, but just making sure that whatever the plan is, that you're sticking to it and that you're honest as to when you will be working and when you will be able to be with your family. And that's very important. Entering my eighth year and 15 years as an administrator, school leader, it's very important, as Ms. Jackson, you just indicated that you have a plan uh, while it's not going to be perfect, but you have a plan and that you prioritize family because it's important. This job is very taxing. It's very challenging. So to all my emerging leaders who want to be administrators, I'm rooting for you. But you, if you are married, have kids, you need to have conversation with your spouse loved ones to so that they understand the level of support that you're going to need and the the amount of time it takes uh, from your day having said all that while you need to get them on the same page with you but you also need to plan and and balance work and life and and learn to turn off because as i indicated earlier as an assistant principal i struggle with that and and i think for my emerging and new assistant principals you, you need to find that right balance now I call it being present. So for me, yes, I go home at a certain time, and not always, but around the same time. And if it's not an emergency, when I get home, I do not re-log back on. Uh, unless it's a, an emergency phone call, an emergency email, I will address it. But, but oftentimes, I leave it for the next day. It will be there. I'm not saying you shouldn't, do, you shouldn't take work at home. There are times for that. But it shouldn't be every day. It shouldn't be every week because you need to prioritize your family, your health, your mind, body, and soul, as Ms. Jackson um, just alluded to. Another thing, Ms. Jackson, you said, and I, and I want to emphasize for both my emerging and my new and the new assistant principals or, or, or administrators, you, you talked about planning and organization. Those are important, critical roles because often the principal, I'm sure you would agree with me, Ms. Jackson, the principal will delegate a lot of things to you and, and knowing how to prioritize, knowing how to plan, knowing how to set up your agenda to get those things done. Because oftentimes um, there are some of those projects takes a couple of days and, and no principal wants to be late re, um, turning in a report. No principal want to turn, turn things late to their boss or to the district office. So uh, knowing your style and creating some type of system is very important. So talk to Ms. Jackson, to some of the emerging leaders or even new assistant principal in their first year or second or third that may, may struggle uh, setting up their day and organize. Give them some tips around how to go about scheduling 
and uh, their days prioritizing their time to get things done. So the most important thing that you can do when you step into the building is to take a moment to actually create that to-do list. And when you're creating the to-do list, making sure that you're you're prioritizing those, those tasks that needs attention first. So what I usually do, I go back um, and I list the different things that I need to do. And I number, I put, I, I put them, put numbers by each of those tasks as it relates to the ones that I need to take care of first. Sometimes at the end of the day, I'll see that there are some tasks that I didn't get around to. So I know that I am now including that on my to-do list the following day. But it's just a matter of making sure that you're disciplined enough to actually sit down in the morning to actually look at what it is that you need to do that particular day and making sure it gets done. I agree with you. Uh, the only thing I would, I would add is that depending what type of school you're in, you may need to do your to-do list the day before or before you even step into the building. But I agree with you. Uh, for me, I used to do mine uh, the, the night before, before I, I leave or before I get into the building because the school I was at, sometimes the problem will be uh, waiting in the parking lot by my car waiting for me. The, the, that's the type of school I was in, a very high need school. Uh, you shared a lot of tips and, and I appreciate and a lot of strategies for emerging and new assistant principals. If you could reflect and share one challenge you faced during your first years as an assistant principal and how did you address it? And, and what were some of the lessons you gleaned from that? Okay, so coming into Cypress Run, I was excited at the fact that I would be making a major difference in the lives of our most at-risk students. With the principal's vision, I was even more excited that we would be providing different pathways for our students to meet success. So I hit the ground running with spending most of the time with students. I would start every day in the cafeteria, uh, moving from table to table, conversating with the students, and then throughout the day into the classrooms. And while I was in the classrooms, I was more so with the students in the little groups with the students, working one-on-one -on -one with students. And also, I would also be meeting with students to, to address referrals, or I would be dealing with students who were removed from class. And this was happening very often. So by the end of my first year of being a new AP, I realized while I was reflecting that the majority of my time was spent putting out fires and processing referrals. So what I decided to do my second year, at the beginning of my second year, I worked with our leadership team to develop a behavior management system that gave us a better process of managing behavior. I also began to work with teachers on classroom management and how to teach behavior in the classrooms. I began to also plan academic support for the classroom teachers in the form of trainings, peer observations and feedback, modeling from the coaches and data chats. Since that first year, I've been scaling up the support for the teachers, the classroom teachers every year, and it has had a positive impact on behavior as well as student achievement. The lesson that I learned from that, that first year, kind of goes along with a quote or a core idea that I read in one of the books that I'm currently reading, Leverage Leadership 2.0 by Paul Bambrick. And it states, 
exceptional school leaders succeed because of how they use their time, what they do, and when they do it. And then I realized that in order for us to be successful with our students, we must invest in our teachers completely, whether it's teaching them how to teach behavior or teaching them or, or providing them with the trainings on, on their content, get it, giving them best strategies, pulling in staff from the district to provide additional support. So that was, that was my lesson that I, I uh, learned from that challenge that I faced my first year as a AP. Wow. Thank you for sharing how you scale up. And I definitely love that quote. Can you repeat that quote again? I'm a quote lover, but I, I definitely love that quote. I do love the book, uh, Level Leadership, um, Leverage Leadership um, 2.0, I believe is the latest book. But can you share that quote again? Yes. Exceptional school leaders succeed because of how they use their time, what they do, and when they do it. And I found wow. myself the first year using most of my time with just the students. I, I, I uh, do believe that that's very important that time is spent with the students, but I be also believe that we must start as, as administrators, start with the teachers in the classroom, investing in what they are teaching and how they are delivering lessons because they have a huge impact on students actually learning. So I, I, I will continue to, to think about that particular quote as I reflect every year and begin to plan for the following year, because it definitely resonated with me. Awesome. And, and, and you are correct. How you spend your day and how you spend your time have a direct impact on obviously uh, student achievement. Part of the work we do is to help teachers scale up their own practices to impact achievement. I know that uh, earlier when you were t when you introduced yourself back when we started uh, this wonderful dialogue, I'm, I'm gleaning so much uh, from you. Thank you for coming on the broadcast, Ms. Jackson, uh, that you mentioned that you're a PBIS model school. Uh, so t talk to us briefly about what what is the what is the PBS model school? Uh, how do you become one? And 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 what is your, what 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 was your just your yours and the school journey to becoming a model PBIS school? Okay, so yes, we are a PBIS model school. We're currently bronze level. We have also received a resilience award. PBIS is just a way of a, a process for making sure that you have different things implemented throughout school day, and it's all geared towards making the school safe. So we began with making sure that we had a set of expectations and the expectations that we set, we made sure that they apply to not just the students, but every single person that walked through the building. These expectations are what we begin the school day with, uh, making sure that we're reciting, reciting them on the morning announcements, they're being repeated in the classrooms and students are asked to recite these expectations. Along with the expectations, we also created rules, rule, location rules, rules for the classroom, rules for the hallways, rules for the cafeteria, and also rules for the bus. And this particular way it's all uniform. Everyone's on the same page. It's clear as to 
what the students can and cannot do in each and every location of the building, as well as when they're riding to and from school. There are other things that came into to play as far as us becoming a PBIS school. We also adhere to the iChamps model. And one of the, the aspects that we took from and that we definitely utilize consistently and faithfully would be the universal signal. And that we felt was very important because uh, some, there are some points, especially in the cafeteria, when students, when you're needing to address students and it's very, it could be very loud with the students communicating with one another. Once the students learn the universal signal and we're using that in the cafeteria, in the hallway, it quickly gets everyone on the same page, quiet, focused, and paying attention. There are other aspects of the iChamps that we use in the school for behavior management that the teachers are using in the classroom as it relates to the positive behavior interventions and support. So it's, it's, it's a well-rounded process and we are implementing it consistently on a daily basis. And every year, like I've stated, we are scaling up in all areas and all aspects of how we are doing things at Cypress Run. You know, um, you mentioned that it's expectation on the bus. Typically, schools forget about what's, what happens on the bus. You mentioned expectation in the cafeteria, in the hallway, obviously in the classroom. And, and I think uh, for all school leaders and principals that are listening, it's important to reflect on what is your routine for the bus what are those expectations in the cafeteria? And, and often I know most schools and most leaders will have, you know, assemblies in the beginning of the year, but it's important that you are teaching the behaviors you want the kids to uh, exhibit, to demonstrate, whether it is in the cafeteria, whether it is in the hallway. I love the fact that you include on the bus. Why did you add the bus to your PBIS plan? I'm just curious. Because we, we wanted to make sure that we cover all aspects of where all of the locations of where the student would be uh, once they, they, they leave their house as it relates to going to school. Being on the bus is considered school board uh, area. So therefore, the rules don't just start once they enter the building. They need to start as soon as they get into a setting as it applies to school. So on the bus, and it's also very important that they are following rules on the bus because you have that one bus driver and students behind them knowing if they are aware as to what it is that they should be doing can be kind of scary. So getting them all on the same page, knowing what they're supposed to, supposed to do, knowing what they are not supposed to do is the entire point of leading and guiding students as soon as they leave their house. I also forgot to mention that um, as part of our PBIS, and this is important, we have a, an incentive piece. And this particular piece actually rewards and recognizes the students as it relates to what it is and how they're behaving in those different locations. Um, students are, are uh, entered into a drawing and different settings and names are being pulled and they're receiving recognitions, shout outs, treats, an invitation to 
special events or special lunches, ice cream socials, so field trips. So we do have a component that rewards students for good behavior for those who are displaying what we call chief behavior. And this is this is an important component that actually leads and, and helps with making our PBIS program successful. I'm glad you said that because incentives are very important to to have and making sure that you are put valuing the be in modeling the behavior that you want the kids to exhibit. Ms. Jackson, you you've shared uh, so many strategies, tips, techniques for assistant principal. And and hopefully those of you that are listening, you are jotting down one or two things that you can incorporate into your school, into your school culture, into your behavior management system, as Ms. Jackson uh, shared throughout this interview, whether it is around uh, morning meetings, uh, around the PBIS, the the several components. Ms. Jackson, as we uh, end this uh, interview, uh, share with us your favorite book or quote and and why uh, it is your favorite. Okay, so I I do have a favorite quote by Maya Angelou, and it's, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So when I enter, that's the quote, and, and so the way that I apply it to my daily life, when I enter the school building, with all that I am doing, I often ask myself, do I make my teachers feel valued? Do I inspire my students? And did I leave a positive impression on everyone I interacted with today? And this is what service is all about. And one thing I can say is that I'm absolutely happy to be leading it. Thank you so much. And and you are correct. Uh, How you make people feel, um, how you connect and value them is invaluable. Thank you so much for coming on the School Leaders Podcast. We appreciate you, Ms. Jackson. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and a comment, share this episode with a friend and on social media. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for leadership ideas and tips. Again, thank you for joining me today. Until next time.